0: Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. It is a privilege to be in the house of God to worship again this morning. As I was thinking about a message for this morning, I assumed there would probably be a fair number of young people here this morning. And the message is not just for the young people, it's for all of us. I wanna look a little bit about sowing and reaping. Now, as we think of sowing and reaping, we think of the seed, we think of the anticipation of something growing. We don't just plant for the sake of planting. It's too much work to plant just for the sake of planting. It's too expensive to plant just for the sake of planting. I'm always amazed at when you plant just the thought of planting something. For instance, you take a bag of seed corn. You put it in the ground And in just a few short weeks, how much more, how many bags of corn would it take to contain all that has grown in just a few short weeks? And by the time you harvest that, you know, usually a bag of seed corn, you can plant about two and a half acres, give or take a little. But if you get a good crop, it usually takes about five or six wagon loads to contain it, if you have a decent crop, or maybe more. And so I wanna look about sowing and reaping. Turn with me to Galatians chapter six, and the context here in Galatians, is in that of giving. The verses in focus are verses 7 and 8, but I want to read here Galatians chapter 6, starting at verse 1, and I want to read through verse 10. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith." Now, as we think of sowing and reaping, if you looked in your Sunday school lesson this morning, there's a verse here that I wanted to point out. It was in the second section, verse 25. says, He that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Now, this whole thing of sowing and reaping is not a negative subject. It's a positive subject. I want to look a little bit at the origin of sowing and reaping, turn with me to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and I want to look at verses 11 and 12. This was in creation, God created it this way. It says, and God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding f- seed, and the fruit tree, yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. so. There we have God creating the earth. And notice in verse twelve, it says, the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after its kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And so we have God creating something that will grow. He not only created something that will grow, he created it in a way that when you plant a certain seed, that's what you're going to get. He planted it after its kind. Go now to Genesis chapter 8. This was when Noah came out of the ark. And we have again a promise from God. Genesis chapter 8 verse 20. And it says, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord, and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelt a sweet savour, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground any more for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living thing, as I have done, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. And so God not only created the seed, he not only created the ability for a seed to grow, he created the seasons to grow it. Now here the other week, one of the workers was lamenting how hot it was. And I told her, I said, just remember, Last winter, do you remember how many layers of clothes you had on when this heater didn't work in the parlor? She said, Yeah, you're right. Cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. There will always be a season. I want to look at a few concepts about sowing and reaping. Number one, we usually reap more than we sow. Is that what you hope for? When you sow something, do you want to get more than you sow? You know, sometimes we say, well, seed's pretty expensive this year. Maybe we'll just space it out half as You know, put twice as much space between the seeds. Well, you're going to get half the crop. That's just the law of sowing and reaping. We reap what we sow. In other words, whatever kind of seed you put in the ground, that is what you're going to get. You know, we planted wheat this year this past fall, and somebody said, well, what's those tall stalks in your wheat field? I said, well, that's rye. Apparently some seed that got left in the drill, and every once in a while you'll see this proud wheat. sticks up twice as tall as the wheat. It's rye. That's what was sown. That's what's gonna grow. Whatever you sow is what's going to grow. Number three, reaping usually takes place long after the sowing. Now you can't decide that, you know, this week I'm going to plant my seed and next week I'm going to harvest it. It don't work that way, at least not for most things. And number four, if you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. We have that in 2 Corinthians 9.6. If you spare, sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. I was finishing up planting beans this year, and I wasn't sure if I was going to have enough of seed. And the further it went, I was finishing one end of a field, and I had a little spot in the center of another field around all the rock islands, and Glennon said to me, why why don't you just turn the population down a little bit? Well, if I had turned it down that much, I knew what the field would look like. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll just finish. I ended up running out, so I finished later when I got more seed. So if you spare sow sparingly, you're gonna reap sparingly. Let me just look at that verse. Second Corinthians chapter nine. Yeah, this was, the, this was the one that already, the, the uh, thought of giving here as Paul wrote to the Corinthians. It says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Think about that next time the offering plate is passed. God loveth a cheerful giver. You're going to sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. God is not mocked. I want to look now at examples of sowing and reaping. Who comes to your mind in Scripture when you think of sowing and reaping? There's several. I won't look at all of them this morning. Somebody just tell me. Who do you think of? David. Okay. brothers. Okay, Joseph's brothers. Who else? Okay, Samson. Can't believe you didn't get this. Okay. Okay. Any others? Can't believe you didn't get this one. Pardon? Okay, Cain? Turn to Genesis 27. Genesis 27. I want to read here verses 15 through 29. This was when Isaac wanted to bless Esau. And we were talking in a Sunday school lesson a little bit about favoritism. Here we have Isaac's wife, Rebecca, hearing this conversation and told Jacob, I want you to receive the blessing. So what I want you to do is look and act and smell like your brother. And go in unto your father and let him bless you. And so that's what he did. It says, And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son, and put the and she put the skins of the kids, of the goats upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck, and she gave the savoury meat and bread, which she had prepared in the hand of her son Jacob, and he came unto his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou, my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that my soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord thy God brought it to me. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he discerned him not because his hands were hairy as his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him. And he said, Art thou my son? Art thou my very son Esau? And he said, I am. And he said, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And he brought it near to him, and he did eat, and he brought it him wine, and he drank. And his father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son, and he came near, and kissed him, and he smelt the smell of his raiment, and blessed him, and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord hath blessed. Therefore, God give thee of the dew of heaven, and the fatness of the earth, and plenty of corn and wine, let people serve thee, and nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren and let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be every one that curseth thee and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now, we have here Jacob sowing something. He wasn't sowing corn. He wasn't sowing wheat. He was sowing deception. Twice, we have him telling the untruth. He deceived his father. You yeah, it's interesting. I'm not old, okay? At least I don't consider myself old. But I'm old enough to see people that have sputted sh- their father. I'm not sure if that's a German word or not, but You know what I mean. They sput their father. They make fun of him. What goes around comes around. Jacob deceived his father. And he even had help to do it. Now go to Genesis 37. We have the story of Joseph and we have that he was the son of Isaac we have there was a lot went on here between the time that I that Isaac was deceived until the time that Jacob was deceived. And so we have the story of Joseph. You know the story, how he was hated of his brothers, he was sold to Egypt, and years later his brothers came to Egypt. Or his sons came to Egypt to Joseph now want I start reading here in starting at verse 26 of chapter 37 this was when they when Joseph came to them Judah said unto his blood what profit is if we slay our brother and conceal his blood come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let us and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh, and his bone were content. And there passed by Midianites, merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt, and Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he ran his clothes. And he returned unto his brother, and said, The child is not and I, whither whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat, and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood, and they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This have we found. Now know whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt, ran in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I will go down into the grave into my father's mourning, unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. That was the reaping that Jacob had he was deceived now we have in this account right here we have the sowing of Jacob's brothers of Joseph's brothers They did this to him. It's kind of two stories run together here. Notice in verse 36 of this chapter, it says, The Midianites sold him into Egypt, speaking of Joseph, unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard. And so Joseph wasn't dead. His father thought he was dead. Joseph was not dead. He was sold. Going now to chapter 39. Starting at verse 1. It says, And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard of an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had been which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man and was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him, and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Now, I want to go over to the reaping. They sold Joseph into Egypt. Joseph left Goshen or Dothan as you might say the underdog and of course Joseph had these dreams and he he had come to jo- he had come to his brother and he told them all these dreams and it says they hated him yet the more and that's kind of what transpired all this that they said let's get rid of this guy go over to chapter. 42. Chapter 42. You know the story. There was a famine in the land, and so they went to Egypt, where Joseph was, to get food. the starting at verse... 5 it says, And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over the land, and he it was that sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence came ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies, to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons, we are the true men, thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said, un- said unto them, This is it that I spake unto you, saying, You are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh ye shall not go forth hence except your youngest brother, Come hither. Now, I don't know what was going through their minds at this time, but I'm sure they weren't prepared for this. I want to read now verses 18 through 23. It says, And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If ye be true men, Let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine for your houses. But bring your youngest brother unto me. So shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, For we are very guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. So that's what they were thinking. They remembered back then. And Reuben answered them saying, Spake I not unto you saying, Do not sin against the child and ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required, and they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. They didn't know who they were talking to. Joseph knew more about them than they knew about him. Have you ever talked to somebody like that? It's kind of interesting. Somebody that might not know you and you know them. You can tell them more about themselves than they know about you. There was sowing and there was reaping. Going now to chapter 43. This was when Joseph was conversing with them. Joseph asked them, in verse 27, he asked them of their welfare and said, Is your father well, the old man of whom you spake? Is he yet alive? And they answered, Thy servant our father is in good health, he is yet alive. And they bowed down their heads and made obeisance. Joseph's brothers were reaping. The prophecy came true. The dream came true that he told them that you will bow down to me. Go to chapter 44. Starting verse 14, And Judah and his brethren came to Joseph's house, for he was yet there, and they fell before him on the ground. So again, we have them falling down to him, bowing down to him. And Joseph said unto them, What deed is this that ye have done? Watch ye not that such a man as I can certainly divine? And Judah said, What shall we say unto my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how shall we clear ourselves? God hath found out the iniquity of thy servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also with whom the cup is found. So the deal was they found the cup in Benjamin's sack. And now they were really scared. And so we have Joseph's brothers reaping what they had said. Go to chapter 47 and verse 9. This was when. Joseph had his family come to Pharaoh. They came down. And he was introducing his family to Pharaoh. And notice what Pharaoh said to Jacob. And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the pilgrim, the years of... Well, he asked how old. Pharaoh asked him, said, So how old are you? He said, Well, I'm 130 years old. The days of the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. That was Jacob's testimony to Pharaoh. Few and evil. And have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. In other words, I'm not as old as my father, but few and evil have they been. Sooner or later, the truth comes out. And it don't matter what it is. Sooner or later, the truth will come out. And so we have Jesus' brothers reaping far more than what they said. Far more. Go now to Esther Chapter seven. Esther chapter seven. We have Queen Esther and Haman. They came To the banquet. Let me to start reading here in chapter 7 verse 1. So the king and Haman came to the banquet with Esther the queen, and the king said unto Esther on the second day at the banquet of wine, What is thy petition, Queen Esther, and it shall be granted thee? And what is thy request? And it shall be performed even to half of the kingdom." Then Esther the queen and answered and said, I have found fa- If I have found favor in thy sight, O king, and if it please the king, let my life be given me at my petition and my people at my request. For we are sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be slain, and to perish. But if it had been sold for bondmen and bondwomen, I had held my tongue, although the enemy could not, con- could not countervail the king's damage." Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? And Esther said, The adversary and enemy is that wicked Haman. Then Haman was afraid before the king and the queen. And so then we have, you know, Haman built these gallows. He wanted Mordecai killed. And the, the gallows was used for Haman himself. One more yet I want to look at, and that is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. This is maybe a little more on the positive side. Second Samuel chapter 9. We have the story here of David and Mephibosheth, which Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son. I'm going to start reading here in verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called unto him David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Then king David sent. And fetched him out of the house of maker, the son of Amiel, from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan my father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually." And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am? And so here we have David showing kindness to Mephibosheth. Again, we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. I want to look at a, just a few verses here yet from Proverbs in relation to that. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 12 And not a person, a wicked man walketh with a forward mouth he winketh with his eyes he speaketh with his feet he teacheth with his fingers Frowardness is in his heart, he deviseth mischief continually, he soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly, suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. And then another verse along with that is verse 19, it's one of the six things the Lord hates. Verse 19 says, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brother. Certainly we saw the deception of Jacob many times over. Over to chapter 11. Verse 18. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Chapter 16, verse 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Proverbs 22 Verse 8 He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity And the right of his anger shall fail He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity Also in chapter 11 Verse 27. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. We can't expect to sow out oats and hope for a cop failure. It don't work though didn't work for me. I've done some things in my youth that I'm ashamed of. Years later those same things happened to me. God is not my In closing, I want to go back to the text. Galatians 6, verses 7 through 10. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's make sure what we sell we want to reap.